Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Rod Babers and CJ Vogel. I appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, for this Saturday, I, I thought we'd do something a little special for fans, a little something different rather than, you know, do the, the up-to-date news. I thought we'd take a little broader look at the program as a whole and try to, you know, I don't want to say estimate, but give our best guess uh, as to what the starting lineup might be for the Longhorns on both sides of the ball. We're going to start this morning uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and as we do this, we need to have some parameters or ground rules. And I want to start with this one. We're going to go out of 11 personnel. That's one running back and one tight end. Uh, that means three wide receivers, five offensive linemen, etc. But one running back, one tight end, 11 personnel. Uh, and let's start at quarterback where I think we're probably all in agreement here. Quinn Ewers in year three. CJ, I'll start with you, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be Quinn's job. He's entering year three under Steve Sarkeesian. You know, regardless of what kind of tweets you see or, you know, the media talking points <laughs> that you want to see spurred up as a result of a QB controversy, whatever, your buddy down the road who has the AM flag in his front lawn, it's going to be Quinn Ewers. You know, that that that's pretty clut and, uh, cut and clear. You know, he, he's coming off of a year in which he led Texas to the college football playoff. Texas finished number three in the AP poll in the final AP poll. He had a great year in my eyes. You know, he took that step, that noticeable step that you saw from year one to year two, 3,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, six picks. It's a pretty good year. You can expect him to grow on that. And there's a reason why right now, as we're filming this, uh, he has, you know, the, the shortest odds of any player in the country to win the Heisman tied with Carson Beck. So there's a reason for that. A lot of expectations, a lot of, of, of hope for a, another big jump. And right now he's, he's the clear cut guy. You mentioned that jump, CJ. Rod, you you agree with, uh, I would imagine, everybody that Quinn Ewers is the guy. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, what, what do you say to those people that try to, to assuage their fears that, that Arch Manning is going to jump in the portal at every at the moment's notice? I mean, because that's that seems to be the narrative that's built outside of Austin. Yeah, that's the national narrative. But uh, the Manning family, I don't think they really care about what the national narrative is. They really don't. Uh, I, I know usually celebrity quarterbacks, you know, they don't they don't come to sit very long. Uh, but I think the Mannings right now are very comfortable with Arch Manning just right now being a student athlete, being a college football player. They know the time will come when he has to bear the burden of being a Manning, the full burden of being a Manning, which is starting quarterback, the expectations of it. They know. And I think, honestly, they're fine right now with him just enjoying the experience because, you know, sooner rather than later, it's going to come at a really fast. So I, I know a lot of people expect, you know, Arch Manning to be itching to play. And he's, he's, it's not really his personality either. I mean, he's you go look at it. He's not one of those guys that it seems like he's demanding to have his way. Uh, he seems like a team oriented person that honestly wants to, you know, be the be be the guy that actually for his teammates do what's best for the overall team. Seems like he is one of those guys. We haven't heard a peep really out of Arch Manning since he's been here. 
even social media wise. He hadn't even said anything on social media other than I think he got a, a NIL deal for a charitable organization. Uh, and I think that was part of it. So, uh, yeah, he's kind of, he, I think people, uh, because he's a Manning, they expect him to, you know, want to uh, be a the celebrity Manning right away. And I don't necessarily think that's the case for him or the family right now. Yeah, I, I don't either, Rod. I think you, you've got a good point there and a, a really good one, actually, in that I actually, I think he's extraordinarily competitive and would love to be the guy in Austin right now. But to your point, I also think he's a team player and understands what's best. And so uh, those two are going to be the top two. I think the third will be the newcomer, Trey Owens. Uh, you guys all agree with that one because uh, yeah. otherwise it would be a walk-on. Uh, and one of the one of the players did uh, opt out and transfer uh, to Appalachian State. That's Charles Wright. Uh, he grad transferred to Appalachian State. He would have otherwise probably been the third string quarterback. Let's move on to running backs. Rod, I want you to take us through this group because I think it's one of the more enigmatic groups on campus because they are so they're they're all talented and they all have their own little specialty almost. What what, what do you think of the running back group and what do you have? Uh, for us uh, on the uh, on the the uh, depth chart, uh, yeah, and I, I love what you said about right the speciality. It seems like CJ Baxter won the job initially, even this year with Jonathan Brooks having a breakout campaign and uh, being the front runner at most of the season for the Dope Walker Award before he ended up with the injury. And right now, I still believe Mel Kiper has him as the top running back on the board, even with the injury. Uh, so before that, CJ Baxter won the job as a true freshman and. I've, I've, I've gotten a chance to meet the kid. Uh, he's he's exceptional in a lot of ways, not just physically, uh, but uh, honestly, he's got a great spirit. He's got great football character, just great character overall. Um, I found the young man to be honestly really just uh, really impressive, just extraordinary, uh, just getting to know him as a person. Um, so I, I think he's going to be your guy, but him and Jaden Blue are going to, I didn't going to share that that load a lot more than people think. I do believe in the backfield at the same time. Of course, I asked the young man about that too. I think that's going to happen, that pony package. But I do think it'll be the uh, the change of pace, right? Jaden Blue is a guy that electric can can hit the hit the edge, can threaten teams on the perimeter, uh, has got next-level speed, tracked as the fastest running back in the country last year by Real Analytics. And then you have C.J. Baxter in between the tackles, who I think can be a guy that really can uh, be a grinder. I mean, he I, when I saw him, man, he, look, he looks like a linebacker. I mean, he's bigger than a linebacker already. Uh, and so he's got really a, a, a formidable, imposing physique for a running back. Uh, and I think that he's a guy, once they pack on that armor with him in the offseason, he's going to be able to take a lot of those hits a lot better. I don't think he'll be dealing with the Knicks and the uh, the, the slight injuries that he had to deal with as a freshman. Um, so I think he's going to – then 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 you start looking at the other guys, right, that you have thrown in there. I mean, what's going to happen with a guy like you know, Savion Red? I, I have no idea what, what's going to happen with Savion Red and how they're going to use Savion Red, right? It's a guy that went from – wide receiver to running back. Um, then you've got the young running backs they got coming in and a really impressive group that running backs they got coming in. But I think your frontline guy is easily going to be CJ Baxter and Jaden Blue. And I think that's going to be 75 to 80% of your rushes right there. If, knock on wood here, if assuming everybody stays healthy, that's the bulk of your running game right there. That's it. Now, the in terms of the per personnel groupings and how they're going to play them, I do think you're going to see some of those two running back packages, like I said. And I do wonder who's going to be the Keelan Robinson of the group 
know, Savion Red, like I said, he, he's a guy to play wide receiver and play running back. Is it time to start making specialized packages for him? Um, you know, or they take some, one of those other guys, one of those freshmen who may be a little bit faster, who may have uh, some bursts that Sark likes. Does he make a specialized package for him? That third spot's going to be a little bit interesting, but the, the one and two spot are pretty solidified at this moment. So a, 1A and 1B basically are Baxter yeah. and Blue. I think we, CJ, I see you nodding your head. The one I, I'm interested in here is Trey Wisner, because I think he might be that boutique guy that you're talking about, yeah. even though I think he could be more than that eventually. Um, because he has that explosiveness that Keelan Robinson also had. Savion Red doesn't necessarily have that, you know, be able to take it all the way to the house kind of from, from 60 or 70 yards out, whereas Keelan Robinson could really press you there. Um, and then the other piece, you know, how do they how does he mix in this year, the two freshmen? Christian Clark, Jarrett Gibson. We don't know. I mean, that that that's a to your point, Rod, you mentioned that. I mean, we don't know what they're going to – are they going to demand that they get some action? Does that make sense? Are they so good yeah. that you're starting to say, okay, well, instead of CG, CJ Baxter being my short yardage back, is it really Jarrett Gibson that needs to be the short yardage back? That kind of stuff where yeah. – I mean, you never know. Uh, I, we do, I do look – I will say this. I expect a big improvement year over year from CJ Baxter as I do anybody on this roster. Yeah. From freshman to sophomore uh, campaign. All right, let's go to receiver. I think we talked about running backs enough. Uh, wide receiver, CJ, Rod. I mean, give me a break. They bring in three guys that have high-level production. Isaiah Bond from Alabama, Silas Bolden from Oregon State, Matthew Golden from the University of Houston. They join uh, a, a group of uh, young guys. Jonte Cook, uh, going to be a true sophomore. DeAndre Moore, Ryan Niblett. And then a guy like Ryan Wingo comes in, a guy like Parker Livingstone. You know, where does Texas go? Now, you can only pick three. Now, we we made this decision beforehand. CJ, I'm going to give everybody a chance to go with their three. But I'm going to start with you. Who are your three starters at wide receiver? Ah, all right. I'll, I'll give first crack. <laughs> you know, this is the first hard one. This it's is the tough. first hard one. This is me. a tough one. And yeah. Uh, it took me some time because, you know, there's a lot of production coming in. And I think there's one guy specifically in which you can point to on this wide receiving group and say, you know, there's no production there, but there's high expectations. And that's Jonte Cook. Right now, I have Jonte Cook penciled into my starting rotation. Mm -hmm. I have him in my starting 11. I loved what I saw out of DeSoto. Uh, he had eight snaps, this or eight receptions this past year. I thought there were signs of him after the catch. I thought there were signs of him going down the field for big plays as well. You know, I, I thought that you saw a little bit of what you expected to see from Jonte Cook out of high school. His leg up on the newcomers coming in is he's been familiar with the system and he's been around Quinn Ewers for a year. That's where he has a little bit of an advantage there. Now I go to my other two receivers and I look at Isaiah Bond, who I think will eventually be the wide receiver one for Texas this year. Uh, he was wide receiver one for Alabama, put up a pretty solid year. Uh, statistically, obviously he had the big moment against Auburn. And then I have Matthew Golden as well. And so that's where I'm stuck because that leaves Silas Bolden on the sidelines for this starting rotation who had 54, 55 receptions this past year for 750 yards. That's a lot of production that I have sitting on my bench right now. And that hurts to say, because that's a very talented uh, player. And I know Sarkeesian is eager to use his speed and twitchiness in a lot of different, you know, creative ways. But right now I love that the three of those guys that I have in my rotation are so interchangeable 
and so similarly, you know, uh, uh, kind of framed in their, their athleticism, uh, their frames, you can throw them anywhere and have the playbook completely open because they don't hinder you in any ability or tip off any tendencies in what you might do because of alignment. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. We've already got a disagreement, but I'm going to let Rod go first. Rod, you're next, buddy. What do you think about that group? Yeah, man, it is tough. All right, this is a first world problems, man. This is where you want to be right here, okay? Uh, so I, I think, I think honestly, my man CJ nailed it. I do. I think he nailed it. I, I can't see Jontae Cook, uh, you know, not penetrating the starting group of wide receivers. He's got so much talent. I've been so excited about, uh, you know, the possibilities of what he can do. So I'm going to say, and Cook, you know, last season, you can see start trying to sprinkle Cook out there and even remarked, you know, and, and late in the season, I got to, I got to get Jontae Cook out there more. I got to get him out there more. Um, so, you know, yes, yes, he wants his transfer portal additions to shine so he can keep that transfer portal pipeline of receivers coming, but he also wants the receivers that he's recruiting to, to, to also see the path, see themselves like, oh, through the recruiting path, like an Xavier Worthy, like a Jante Cook, I can go in Sark's offense and I can flourish and I can thrive. So Cook is in there. I'm going with Bond. Bond was wide receiver one. I think, you know, that's a guy that's he's got wide receiver one written all over him. Uh, that would mean you got two of them out there potentially. And, oh, man, it hurts me too, but I'm going to go with Golden. I, th- I think Golden's body type. I, I think CJ's nailed it once again. It's the body type, man. Sark wants position fluidity. He does. Um, and these guys have similar explosivity um, as players, just in their own different ways. So I'll go with Golden. And I'll say Bolden is the boutique player. He takes over where Keelan Robinson has left a void. It's not a it's not from the running back position, but still he's a muse that inspires Sark to utilize him in some freaky, you know, freaky, crazy ways, exotic ways. So I'll say that's what Bowden is. But my three, same as CJ, man. CJ nailed it. Oh, boy. I got to go different than you guys. I I have to. Look, Bolden, and here's my my thing. I went with Cook, Bond, and Bolden. So not Golden, okay? Of all those three incomers, Bolden had more catches than any of this past year. 54 catches. So I I just think that he's more of an every down guy, even though he's small. I mean, he is tiny. People, I mean, he could he lists at 5'8, 5'9. He might be 5'8, 5'7. Yeah. (laughs) So I get it. I'm not saying that I'm 100 percent right here, but I think he's too explosive. And Mm. I think he's too battle tested, even more so than Matthew Golden, for example. Yeah. Um so that's where I'm at. Uh, I do think you have to get uh, Isaiah Bond and Jonte Cook on the field as well. Maybe I'm wrong, but 
But that that's I like where that. I went. I, I've got another guy that, that I'm I'm really I think that Ryan Wingo may be ahead of schedule. Uh maybe even ahead of Jonte Cook's schedule because of physical stature. Hmm. If they start wanting a bigger wide receiver set, I don't know that they're gonna have anybody else to go to other than Ryan Wingo. What well, I mean that so that's that's one of mine. And then DeAndre Moore is somebody that we're not even talking about here. We'll see how he figures into all this as well. But uh, I think to Rod's point, first world problems. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's, that's really what it is at, at the, at the uh, wide receiver for the long words. All right, uh, let's move on to offensive line uh, because there's some movement there as well. I think we can all agree on. First of all, uh, I'm going to go start. I'll, I'll go left to right, and I'm going to give you mine. And I'm going to go left tackle. I'm going to go uh, our friend, Kelvin Banks, All-American. Mm-hmm. Uh, left guard, I'm going Cole Hudson. Ooh, okay. Hudson. Center, Jake Majors. Right guard, DJ Campbell. Right tackle, Cam Williams. Uh, that means that Neto Omiozulu and Cole Hudson fought it out. And H- Hudson uh, won. We'll see if that comes to pass. Because that's, that's more the 50-50 toss-up for me. The, the key here is right, is right tackle where I think Cam Williams is going to beat out Hayden Connor because Hayden Connor is going to try to try to win that role. I think I think Texas is going to go more powerful on the interior against the SEC opponents. And that means that means Neto and or Cole Hudson at left guard and DJ Campbell at right guard. All right. That's my prediction. Uh, CJ, you want to go next? I'll, I'll take a stab at it and. I'm similar to you. I've got Kelvin Banks at left tackle. Left guard is the big question to me. I, I think everything else is not set in stone, but I've got it in pencil right now. You know, it, it, it's not yet pen. The ink isn't dry, but it's looking good. Does Hayden Connor with his 27 career starts and 35 game appearances, does he get upseated? That's a lot. We talk about experience. It's important mm-hmm. on the offensive line specifically. That's a lot. Cole Hudson has a year of starting experience as well, but that was a, a year removed. You know, he's kind of been dinged up necessarily, didn't play a whole lot towards the end of this past season. I know he's got the juice in him, and if you want to be more physical in that interior offensive line, no better than getting a guy who has a history of playing in the wing tee up at Frisco High. That's Cole Hudson. And then we saw the nastiness with NATO, and I, I think there's a little bit of a flip switch there that he found late in the season in which – He's like, oh, yeah, I belong here. I can play with these guys, and I can dominate these guys. It's going to be a battle between the three of them. Right now, I have to go with the incumbent. I think that Hayden Connor, as a result of the experience, is that guy right now. I would love to see, you know, obviously that competition breed the best player possible. Right now, this far out, I have to go with the guy who's been around the block. And obviously, Jake Majors, DJ Campbell. I think Cam Williams wins that right tackle spot pretty easily. I think what he possesses in terms of uh, physical stature, his his arm length as well, and just overall athleticism, which isn't talked about enough at 6'7", 370, 360, whatever he is, he's a freak by all you know means of the word in the positive way. He is a very talented prospect, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him taking the first – Two day, two days of a uh, of an NFL draft, whether it be next year or the year after. All right, Rod, what do you think about the O line? Oh, that's good. Um, uh, right tackle, I'm going to go with Cam Williams. I think it's his job to lose, pretty much. Uh, I like DJ Campbell at the right guard. Jake Majors, I mean, that goes without saying. Right, that was the easiest one. Uh, Kelvin Banks, that's also very easy at left tackle. Left guard, I went with Hayden Connor too, and. I went with the experience, but also just considering 
because I was talking to Jake Majors about this on Third and Longhorn. Shout out to him because guys had to speak uh, speak to him. And he just kept talking about how the offensive line, how they work as a unit, they work together, and the chemistry between the, the, the offensive linemen and how much that matters. And, man, Hayden Connor and he got – Got chemistry. He's got a lot of experience on the line. I'll go with him. I agree with you, though, Bobby, about the power element of the offensive line. They want to bring that power running game. And Hayden Connor may not necessarily bring that, but I think the chemistry that he's got uh, with the other guys on the line, the experience, it may win the day, even though he doesn't have the highest upside. He's played in a lot of big games. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, again, this is best guess and estimate. So I, I, I hear both of you guys. All right. Last position we want to tackle. Uh, and I did this one somewhat purposely oh, it's yeah. tied in mm-hmm. because I think Gunnar Helm is clearly the better blocker. And if you're using just simple um, 11 personnel or, or what I, what I, what should I call uh, contemporary uh, 11 personnel or, or yeah. you like would yeah. go with, you would go with Gunnar Helm over Amari Nyblak. Yep. You start talking about spreading them out. You'd go with Amari Nyblack 10 times out of 10. And so I wanted to get y'all's take on this because I think it's one of the more fundamental questions that we have for Sark's offense this year, actually. Is he going to be more spread? Is he going to be more power? What does it look like? I mean, I mean, he's, he can run a lot of 20 personnel in this year. I mean, but but if he's running 11, what did, what, what did y'all – I went with Helm. I'm just going to – I'll let y'all – Fight it out for the rest of this. I will. I will. I will say this. Just um, a good. I think also that's going to be a determining factor with wide receiver too. What yes. kind of offense do we want to be in terms of the body types that CJ was talking about? Because Silas Bolden, he lends himself to a certain type of offense, and you can get ooh, you can get explosive having a guy like that out there. So I, I understand where you're coming from, Bobby. I'll say it is Gunnar Helm too because Sark. It, he's he says the tight end position is second most important position behind quarterback to him. And the reason he is saying that's because of the balance the tight end brings, diffuses the spread element and the power running game. It fuses it together. Um, he likes to hunt matchups with it, but he won't necessarily do that with Gunnar Helm. I'm going to say because Gunnar Helm knows the offense, has familiarity with the offense, that he initially is the starter. I would not be surprised at all, though, if you went back and looked at the reps and, and, and looked at them at the end of the season that him and Nye Black were pretty much close to even in terms of the reps if Nye Black works out the way they think because he's the guy that's a nightmare for an opposing defensive coordinator. He's nightmare fuel. And Gunnar Helm, got, got, Gunnar Helm is more is steadier, more Simon Sound probably, like I said, better blocker, all right? But I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't see him as a matchup advantage. Omari Nye Black is a matchup advantage. But he might be a disadvantage blocking. <laughs> I, I'm with you, CJ. Which way are you going? You going Helm or Nyblack here? I had Helm as well, so we'll, we'll we'll take the sweep on the tight end spot. But I think this is the one spot offensively where you can point to and say this might be a tendency indicator with Sarkeesian. You know, with with Helm in there, you might be sitting around and thinking, all right, like he's obviously a little bit heavier in the foot in terms of, you know, run blocking. He can obviously sit back and pass block it well as well. Uh, Nyblack, not necessarily a, a, a true negative in that sense, but he isn't as polished as Gunnar Helm. But if you have Nyblack in as that number one tight end and the only tight end on the field, as you mentioned, Rod, he's a, you know, he's a mismatch waiting to happen. He's a guy that can run by you at six, four and it, 
certainly lends itself to uh, defensive coordinators sitting around and being like, all right, like we certainly have to hone in now on what Sarkeesian might be trying to do with these three wide receivers that we mentioned. Oh, yeah, and this uh, kind of deer-like tight end that can run a, with just about any, anybody. So that's kind of the pause that I have at tight end because, you know, it, it could tip tendencies in a way that Sarkeesian doesn't often do. And so, uh, you mm -hmm. know, I, I'd like to see Gunnar Helm get – Involved early in the season in the passing game. He had 14 receptions for just under 200 yards uh, this past season. So if you can get him involved early, I think that involved or that basically negates anything that you can point to and say, Helm is in, we know it's going to be a run, or we know that he's not going to be going vertically down the field, down the seam, or in the, the, the crossing routes that we saw J.T. Sanders do. That's where I, I get some pause. But if you see that early involvement, it then lends you to say, all right, Sark can now go 12 personnel and have both of these guys running deep crossers, and Quinn can pick basically where he wants to go. It opens up the playbook a little bit more, and it keeps Sark away from tipping his hand, which is the most important part. I got an X factor here for you guys. Malik Ogbo. Yeah. What do you do, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do, you do with him? Uh, no, that, that's going to be crazy. Because Sark, I like, look, Sark's got a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. He because, just does. And I yeah. and I think that's that may be that may be the moral of the story here mm -hmm. as we really talk about it. Because I mean you talk about quarterback, and we're talking about Arch Manning and you know being the backup, et cetera. I mean, you talk about running back and he we're debating whether or not who's gonna be the boutique back and who does this, and then wide receiver, there's a lot of options. Tight ends different. Uh offensive line has so many starts returning, it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, to y'all's point. Um, all in all, the offense should be the strength of the team next year. I think that is probably fair to say. The defense at time uh, helped lead the team this year, especially the interior. Uh, but anyways, I think next year, the offense more clearly, just from what we're talking about here, has that grouping. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this morning's uh, On Texas Football. We're going to be back this afternoon because uh, we're getting ready to try to talk a little defense here in a little bit as well and try to give you – uh, what we think the starting defensive lineup looks like prior to spring ball as well. All right, for CJ and Rod, uh, thanks for watching on Texas Football. Hook them. Hook them. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.